This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to talk about Stan Getz, the great tenor saxophonist, whose sound is one of the most unique and identifiable sounds in all of jazz. He grew up in New York City in the late 1930s and early 1940s. When he was about 14 or 15 years old, he was already playing the saxophone. And you have to remember that by the mid-1940s, World War II was raging, and many of the great musicians who had been performing in the big bands had been drafted. So for um, a young 14- and 15-year-old precocious and incredibly talented musician, there were some professional playing opportunities. He started playing the tenor saxophone, I guess, when he was about 14, maybe 15 years old. He originally started on the harmonica, later alto, and then tenor. And he also played the bassoon in the All City Orchestra in New York City. And by the time he was 15 years old, he started playing at Roseland Ballroom, which was a very well-established dance hall in New York City with a band led by a man by the name of Dick Rogers. This led to his being hired at age 16 by the great trombonist Jack Teagarden. Now, you have to remember, Teagarden was one of the all-time fantastic trombonists and singers in the history of jazz. And it's very interesting that at that time, if you didn't go to high school, they would send a truant officer out after you. And as uh, Teagarden had hired him, he uh, gets dropped out of school. And there are many instances of it actually of a truant officer coming to one of the gigs and yanking him out of the saxophone section. Point is that at a very early age, he had incredible musical experiences. And Jack Teagarden was one of the most expressive singers and, and played beautiful melodies. And that really affected Getz. And from that particular gig, that led to an opportunity to, for him to play with Stan Kenton by the time he was 17 and 18 years old. And that eventually led to an opportunity to play with the great Benny Goodman um, in 1945. But let's talk about Getz's sound and really the derivation of that sound. He was enamored, always enamored with melody and the ability to play pretty melodies and really interested in sound. Getz's sound really comes from Lester Young, and Lester was a great, had a great sense of melody, great sense of timing, and played in a very linear or horizontal manner. So let's check out some Lester Young, and then we're going to also listen to some Charlie Parker, because uh, Getz's playing um, style is really a combination of Lester Young's sound and approach to playing with Charlie Parker's bebop vocabulary. This is a great recording of Lester Young from the late 1930s. It's called Lester Leaps In. Check out Lester's playing. Thank you. 
So that sense of playing we call over the bar line in a very kind of in a linear manner as opposed to trying to play all the arpeggios and the underlying harmony, much as Coleman Hawkins had been doing, had a very strong effect on Getz. And of course, his wonderful sense of timing and melody had a great effect on his playing. I remember he, in 1945, he was only 18 years old, was playing with Benny Goodman. And this is really the end of the big band era. So Benny Goodman's great band from 1936, 37, 38 was really no longer in existence. He was hiring all very young musicians because his well-established musicians were, were off fighting overseas um, or committed to the military. While they were in New York City um, in 1945 with Benny Goodman's band, Stan Guest had an opportunity to go down to what was called 52nd Street to hear a new style of music that was emerging that was called bebop. He had really never heard um, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and this is after the recording band. And he went and he heard Charlie Parker and he said, this is the language that, that I'm going to learn how to speak the musical language. So he was able to combine Charlie Parker's uh, technical prowess and that, that newer style of bebop with the sound and approach of Lester Young. So let's check out one of Charlie Parker's great, great recordings. This is Coco from 1943 to 1945, Getz played with Dick Rogers. He became um, an important soloist with the Jack Teagarden band. He played with Stan Kenton. He also played with uh, Benny Goodman. He didn't really like playing with Kenton because Kenton's ideal was more of kind of a European approach. He loved Teagarden because Teagarden's approach was pure melody and he really comes out of the blues and was really kind of a vocal style trombonist. And that's really something that pervades Getz's playing throughout his career, this really wonderful vocal quality to the way he plays the saxophone. So for a kid who's not, in only tw not even 20 years old yet, he had all these amazing experiences. And by 1945, he's in New York you know, with, with uh, Benny Goodman. He actually spent a lot of his time in Los Angeles. He um, first went to Los Angeles, I believe, in 1943 or 44, and he spent... Um, probably a good part of his career out in Los Angeles, and that's why sometimes we refer to, you know, Stan Getz as part of the West Coast or the cool style, but he's actually, you know, a New Yorker. In 1945, he started making some of um, his first recordings with a small bebop-style group because this was the new up-and-coming style of music, and Getz was very young, also very strongly influenced by what was going on on 52nd Street. We're going to check out one of his first recordings. It's not the first, but one of his early recordings from 1945 was made with uh, the great trauma bonus K winding and it's an old Irving Berlin song called Always. It's um, not what we would consider to be like a jazz standard or bebop tune but check out the way Getz plays the melody and the vocal quality to his improvisation. It's like when he's improvising he's not just blowing over chord changes he's actually making up what I call an alternate melody to the one that Irving Berlin wrote and sometimes his melodies that he would improvise are better than the original melodies. Check out Always. <laughs> ¶¶ 
1945, Stan Getz was, was making a living playing with Benny Goodman, traveling back and forth between New York and the West Coast, but he was also making lots of recordings with small pickup groups of uh, young musicians really strongly influenced by bebop. In 1946, uh, Stan made some recordings with a wonderful quartet, which included Max Roach, the great Max Roach on drums, Curly Russell on bass, and Hank Jones on piano. I mean, three um, stellar bebop musicians. And of course, you know, Stan, whose whose language, um, whose musical language was changing from kind of a swing style, you know, playing with Teagard and and Benny Goodman. And then, of course, in 1945, his influence, the influence of, of Charlie Parker on him really changes the way he plays. We call these pickup recording dates. And you also have to remember that in the 40s, um, there were quite a few what they call recording bands. The, the, the Musicians Union was constantly feuding with record companies. And then they would say, well, there's going to be recording bands starting on such and such a date uh, for five months or however long it lasts. So the musicians could run into the studio, make as many records as they could because they knew that after a certain date, no records would be made. So we have these flurries of recordings that appear. And this is part of that. It's 1946. So we're going to hear Stan Getz really um, not quite what I would call the, the fully mature Stan Getz, but you're going to hear a really strong bebop influence. And this is a record called Opus to Bop 1946. Stan Getz with his quartet. <laughs> that same recording session, uh, we're going to close the show with um, a piece entitled And the Angels Swing, kind of a play on words. Of course, the original was And the Angels Sing. This is And the Angels Swing. This piece is a little slower than the previous piece where you can really hear Stan's sound just really filling out, even though it's a 1946 recording and and the technology is not like like it is today, but you can really hear that that sound, that strong influence of, of Lester Young. And of course, a lot of the other saxophone players that um, would become part of Stan's circle of musicians um, were also very strongly influenced by Lester. But this is And the Angels Swing, and check out Stan's sound and the way he crafts his improvisations as if they are what I would call alternate melodies. Thank you. 
This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.